Hi there, thanks for joining us. Well, another week has flown around, so it's time for the latest Red Business. In a little bit, we're going to travel to visit one of North Cork's finest hotels to hear how a family-run gem has become a destination wedding venue and restaurant. But talk of restaurant at all, and it's made me hungry. We will hear from two West Cork entrepreneurs who have set up in the food trade. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. So we're always hungry on this particular podcast, and uh, we decided to go for a bit of pizza this time around. Not some of that commercial stuff now, but a bit of decent pizza that's baked in an oak-fired oven. Andrew Lone, manager of Oak Fire Pizza, how are you? Very good, Jonathan. Thank you very much. How did you become a pizza maker? You don't look Italian. <laughs> No, I'm definitely not Italian. I'm a Skibbereen native, born and bred from West Cork. Um, I'm actually an electrician by trade. I did my apprenticeship uh, about 10 years ago. And um, we all know what happened in 2008. I had just started my my little business and the whole world collapsed, as did my little fledgling. Yeah, not a good time to go out. No, but but look, I was young and I was ambitious and I, I wanted to get a piece of the action myself. So um, I had been kind of playing around with pizza before that. I actually bought a, a, kind of a cow box trailer from a farmer in Ballinine and I'd installed a small wood-fired oven into it. So we were doing markets and festivals and uh, catering events. You see, now you've moved into the business, but like, d- did somebody show you at some point how to make a decent pizza? No. So you learnt as you went? Pretty much, yeah. We kind of <laughs> made it up as we went along. But people respond well. I mean, the the idea of eating pizza out of a cow, tr- a cow truck presumably would have appealed to people, would it? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it didn't look like a cow truck by the time we were finished with it. Uh, we had a kind of a gazebo attached to the front of it and we had all our fridges and tables laid out. And, you know, people could see us spinning out the fresh dough and they could see the flames of the oven. And, that you know, people really responded to that. You mentioned the dough, and my next-door neighbour is from Italy and is extremely precise about the dough that's used in making pizza. Did you kind of start with an Irish flour and work up to higher quality, or was it always part of the No, we always used an Italian. We used Caputo uh, Pizzeria. It's a zero-zero flour, so it's a very finely milled flour. It's it's very silky smooth, and the, the thing about the proper pizza flour is it can absorb more water. Uh, so we use a, a, the, the bit, literally the best quality flour we can get our hands on. And and the idea of cooking it in that type of oven, I mean, do you, you burn oak? We, yep. Exclusively? Yeah, uh, no, actually, we use a mixture of oak and birch, and we even use a bit of softwood. Uh, the, the wood-fired ovens react differently to different conditions, so even the humidity in the air can affect it. The ambient temperature of the weather can affect it. So we need to use different combinations of wood to get that balance right. So you started selling the pizzas at, at the shows. When did you realise, actually, do you know what? Sad electrician, this could be a business here. Quite soon, uh, after we started doing markets, I mean, probably six months, you know, I, I realised there was definitely a demand for this. There was nothing. It, it, we actually opened in Skibbereen originally back in 2010. And um, it, it was from, from the small stall I realized there was a demand for this and we have to we have to jump on this you know and so that was the first kind of foray into this then when yep. did you decide we can have an outlet here 
then that that was straight away. Pretty, pretty much straight away. Yeah, uh, we were we were probably six months kind of messing around with the market stall, which was kind of a temporary thing. You know, we were doing maybe one or two days a week. So going from that into a seven day a week service almost a restaurant service was a huge jump. Yeah, and, and again, for somebody who isn't a background in restaurants, you, yeah. you'd hear all the stories, nine out of ten restaurants don't survive their first yeah, year. All the things, the health regulations that are there. Yeah. How have you managed to make a go out of it? Because you opened in, what, 2015? In Clonakilty, yeah. So we opened the first pizzeria in, in, in 2010. Skib. In Skib. And uh, we we were operating there for about two years. Then we decided to go all guns blazing into a huge big premises and expand the menu into pizza, pasta, steaks, fish. Now, um, I'm guessing this story doesn't go very well. <laughs> no. I'm just looking at your expression. <laughs> um, no, we, it was actually a bar, restaurant and hotel. So we went from a small little pizza takeaway shop to full-scale hospitality. And was, it, was it too big? It was. We bit off more than we could chew at the time. And how quickly did you come to that realisation? We worked away there for about nearly three years, so we we kind of struggled away. Eventually, we ended up closing it down uh, the first of January, twenty fifteen, and I kind of spent a few months not really really knowing what I was going to do next. What was it? What was it like? Because you'd already changed career once. This had been your passion project. Like, yeah. what what was that feeling like? It it kind of really knocked the steam out of me. Really, when when things didn't go according to plan. I mean, turnover was very good. Unfortunately, the overheads just won the race and we ended up having to close it down. Uh, look, I look back on it now and think I learned a lot of very valuable lessons there and they all stand to me now. And pretty much every decision I make now is based on things I've done wrong in the past. So let's go to the, the business you have now. So it's, it's Clonacilty. Clonacilty. And in 2016, you kind of upped it again, which was obviously a bit of a risk given the last time you upped it, it didn't go well. But it worked out when you opened this full sit-down? It did, yeah. We opened as a takeaway originally in 2015. Then we we were turning away so much business from a, a sit-down point of view that we said we have to do something here. So we, we got at our storeroom upstairs and turned it into a 20-seater bistro. Uh, that was only a few months after we opened. So it, we kind of re- realised that we're, we're lacking that straight away. Okay, and again, not not being shy about this, but also acknowledging the mistakes you made in the past. Then you moved into the second outlet, which was Bandon, was it? Bandon, yeah. And uh, now you're looking at Cork City Centre, is that right? We've signed a lease in Cork City Centre. Uh, we'll be starting work there in the next few weeks and we hope to be open there mid-October. You see, we haven't actually talked about the pizzas too much. We kind of hinted at it, we'll talk about the dough, but you do a very Cork pizza, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> uh yeah. What kind of toppings can you get? You know, none of your common or garden ham or cheese or whatever. You've got, you've got real local sourced stuff. We do. Uh, we get we we buy our ham from Avril Alshire in Roscarby, who I believe you had on the show. Yes, Avril was on here a couple uh, of weeks ago. Yeah, recently. Uh, we use Clannacilty black pudding. We use Shannon Vale chicken. We use Toonsbridge mozzarella from McCroom. We also use Johnny Lynch's buffalo mozzarella from McCroom. So it's it's as local as we can possibly get it. And do people respond well to that? Because for me, buying pizza from some pizza outlets is, you know, it's it's not a great experience. You don't you're, know what you're getting. You don't know what you're, but you're going to be bloated and it's not going yep. to be healthy and it, it just isn't great. Whereas this kind of stuff is like the pizza I make at home, but yeah. probably an awful lot tastier and uh, and I don't have to go to the effort. Well, the, the locally sourced thing is a huge selling point for us. 
I mean, we really market that and we, we stick to it as much as we possibly can. Um, from the the health side of it, the the pizza dough we use is, tw- is 72 hours proved every batch. So That beats the 45 minutes I normally leave mine sitting on the window. All right. Does it make a big difference <laughs> yeah, to leave it longer? It does. It, you, it, it ferments the dough so you get a more like a sourdough kind of a taste. So it it really develops the flavors, and you you lose that yeasty kind of taste, you know, that and the the rubbery kind of texture. You use tech as well because you you migrated to an online ordering system. So in other words, it wasn't somebody answering the phone, taking the order, and handing it out. We, you, we're you, still operating through both channels. Through both channels. But, but how are you finding the technology side of it? Is brilliant. It? Yeah, yeah, it's it's transformed the business really. So what's next? I mean, you, you think of all the pizza brands that are out there. Is Oak Fire Pizza? Going to keep going, going to keep expanding. That's the ambition. We're we're not afraid to be ambitious about it. Uh, we do have interest from several different locations about potentially franchising down the road a bit. Uh, we have a few other locations in Cork, outside the city centre. Uh, we've some interest from Dublin. We've some interest from Kerry. So we're kind of playing on different ideas at the moment. We kind of recognise at the moment it's probably a bit early for franchising or even thinking about it uh, before we'd we'd be really ready for the, for that step. The only thing it's a that, totally different business. The, the only thing that needs to be worried right now are the oak trees because if you keep going at the rate <laughs> you're going we're going to be knocking a lot more but I'm sure you'll, you'll plant other ones so that the business is sustainable will, in the future. Course. Andrew Lone, uh, what's the website if people want to have a look? It's oakfirepizza.ie Andrew, thank you very much for joining us in Red Business. Thank you very much, Shantan. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com Now back to food because we're never not thinking about food on the Red Business Podcast. And the good news is in Cork, there are plenty of businesses to talk to. And next up is the owner of the Fresh Fish Deli, Monica Buckley. Monica, how are you? Good, thanks, Jonathan. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming in. And you have obeyed the number one rule of the Red Business Podcast. You have brought food with you. So what have you brought? I've bought a selection of our products. These are all handmade in West Cork. We make uh, fish cakes, fish pies, harakujans, and all using West Cork fish and hand using, handmade using the best of local you see, produce. Now, I mean, I'm actually salivating at the prospect of the smoked West Cork fish cakes that I have in my poker here, uh, in, in my hand. Because um, there's nothing better, really, is there? No, nothing. Uh, there's no additives or preservatives. We make everything by hand, uh, as I said, with local, um, lo- from all local products. Like our eggs come from a free range farm in Ross Carberry. Our breadcrumbs we use in our products are from the famous Fields Bakery. So we like we try and source all our products from locally. So you're based down in Union Hall? We're based in Skibbereen. Skibbereen? Yeah, but I myself am from Union Hall. And uh, we have uh, fishing trawlers that are based in Union Hall. So that's how I, the idea started uh, to, to open this business. Um, we, have, we own fishing trawlers. So um, a lot of our fish, all of our fish practically, is exported. Um, Which is really frustrating, isn't it? It is, really, yeah. I mean, we're very good in Ireland at producing um, the best meat, the best fish, the best dairy, but we're not so good at consuming it. You know, there's, and especially with fish, I feel there's a fear around um, consuming fish. And so we used to export all of our fish and, and we still would export a lot of our fish uh, from the boats. But um, we created a company um, initially I set up with a family friend he had a re- fish retail shop and then we diversified into producing these seafood products uh, using this, the, the raw materials from, from our boat So when like this, this is a marketing trick because the fish is the same fish that's sold 
in the fishmongers. Exactly. And yeah. all you've done is you've packaged it up, you've put a nice label on it and you've added flavours that mightn't necessarily be there. This is a marketing job. Yes, it is really. And it's telling a story. We, you know, we have control of the, of the raw material from, from, from the processing, from the catching of the fish to, uh, to the... Uh, to re- and then we bring into our production facility and skippering. We full control. We full control. We, yeah. pro- we, we process all the fish. We fillet all the fish ourselves. We portion it. And then it goes into our kitchen, our production kitchen, where it's all handmade um, into these fish products. Now, you've, you, every product here in front of me is signed by you. Yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of pride and your reputation at stake here. There isn't is there? really, yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we're very passionate um, about, like, you find that in West Cork, especially, I suppose, we're very passionate about our, the food we produce. Passion is always there down in West Cork, uh, but it's about translating that into successful businesses. Exactly, well. yeah. So, how, how have you gotten the product to market? Um, that's, I mean, we're still a relatively small, a young company. We're only about four years old. As I said, we started off as a fish retail business um, and in Ross Carberry. And in the last two years, we moved to Skibbereen to a new uh, production facility. So, we moved from a 1,000 square foot facility to a 6,000 square foot facility with the help of BIM, their flag initiative. It's a fisheries local action group uh, where they provide funding to local communities and businesses in the community. See, I don't know, and, and you're, a young, you're a young young, person like myself, <laughs> let's put it that way. And I remember years ago when you used to go round to piers where they landed fish, it has been miserable places, yeah, miserable yeah. places. I mean, but there's a, there's a young enthusiasm about it because of the type of business that you're doing now. And is that down to investment by the likes of Ordish Kawada? Very much so, yeah. They, they've, I think they've changed their focus um, you know, from focusing on, on the fishing and the catching sector to the added value sector. They can see this huge potential there to for businesses to, to exploit this wonderful produce that we have on our doorstep. So do you have to be involved in the manufacture, the tasting, the flavouring, all that kind of thing? I mean, what, how level? what's your level of hands-on, Monica? My level? Um, I suppose um, I'm involved really in um, the... The, the running of the company, like we've got twenty staff currently employed, we've a wholesale side to the business as well, where we sell directly to hotels and restaurants. I have a very good team um, of managers and staff who, you know, who work very hard. It's very long hours, as most people will say in the fishing industry. There's no nine to five. It's five eight, five a.m. starts until six o'clock in the but day. I mean, you're, you're at the mercy of what comes in on the trolley, and well. it's a perishable product. So you ha- you know you have to get it, you know, practically every day or every second day. And, you know, process it and get it back out there within 24 hours if possible. And mm-hmm. you trade on how good it tastes. And I'm looking forward to tasting yeah. it. They do look nice. But ultimately, you have to buy into the consumers. Because it's not that it's not it's not expensive by any means. But, you know, it is a slightly premium product as it opposed is. to buying yeah. it straight over the counter yeah. from the fishmonger. That's true, yeah. But I suppose you're getting a quality product. You know, there's no, as I said, there's nothing added to it. It's it's as good as producing it in your own home. We're offering, we're offering this product in a convenient mm. No, you know, there's no pretensions or, or with, with no, this. No, yeah. they're good for lazy exactly. people like myself. That's fine. I know where you're going with that. So, what's next? Where do you bring this? Um, so, as I said, so a year ago, we um, we had, I suppose, we reached our capacity in our, our in our current our previous facility. So, we applied to the BIM Flag Initiative. So, they 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 are look after the EMF funding, and um, so we applied to them. And they come out and they look at your business and um, you help you fill out the application form and things like that. It's quite exten- intensive, um, the assistance that you get from them. So you have to prove that your business, I suppose, is worthy of the, of the money. 
But um, without the funds that we we got from the Flag Initiative, mm. we wouldn't have been able to scale up our business. But you see that you talk about scaling, but I mean, I can see it in your eyes. I know <laughs> that you want world domination. So how quickly can you do that? Well, in the last year, we've doubled our capacity. We were previously um, just in 60 super, super values. We're now nationwide since March of this year. So um, that's a very common theme. Musgraves have been very keen to support companies like so, yours. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've you've dominated in super value. Where else can you go? Well, I suppose we need to expand our our, our range of products as well. You know, we want to look at. Um, other products that we can get into and then maybe going across the market. Well, look, they are fantastic looking uh, to look at right now next to me. I'm looking forward to tasting them a little bit later on. Uh, People can keep an eye out for the Fresh Fish Deli. Everything is signed by my guest, (laughs) Monica Buckley, owner of the Fresh Fish Deli. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us and the very best of luck. Great. Thank you very much, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com. Now, next up on Red Business, we're going to take a trip to one of the finest hotels in the North Cork area. Not only is it one of the finest hotels, it's also one of the best places to go and eat. And it all started out as nothing more than a humble country home to someone very wealthy in times gone by. But the current owner of Springford Hall uh, is Paul Walsh, who's on the line. Paul, how are you? Very good. Very well, thank you. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up in possession of the fine Springford Hall. I suppose about 35 years ago, uh, my father bought it. Um, it was an old country house, needed a bit of a repair. At the time, our main concern was paying the mortgage. So we really started a bed and breakfast with eight bedrooms. Uh, basically, you found you were sitting there most of the time doing nothing with a bed and breakfast. So the next natural occurrence really was to open the restaurant. Kind of luckily, I suppose, about maybe 32, 33 years ago, we opened a restaurant at a time when um, it became more popular to eat out as well. So it, it kind of went from there. We built on um, function room for weddings. We built on bedrooms. And we've kind of been extending ever since, really, you know. Uh, look, it's a challenging thing to do to run a hotel. It's been particularly challenging in the last few years. How have you managed to keep up and indeed during that time expand your operation? Well, I suppose that in, over the last... Um, seven years recession wise uh, there hasn't been any expansion basically everyone it was a standstill it's only now we're kind of coming out but we're thinking about expanding again and we are renovating putting more money back into the hotel that's the big difference at the moment whereas going back four or five years ago uh, no one was spending anything really bar foreigners buying up the other hotels like <laughs> Yeah, well, you kept the one you had, but it, it there's a lot more than just the house that your dad bought. You have bolted on bits over the year, and in doing so, you had to be very careful because obviously you're dealing with the listed property. You are. I suppose we, we built the banqueting hall over the courtyard, so we didn't really af- affect the property very much. Uh, all the bedrooms were on a new wing, so basically speaking, it didn't affect the old-style house. We The drawing room is as is, the dining room, all the main house really, very little to was done to it, bar painting it so and refurnishing you know that in its own way is is a challenge because anything you do to it you have to keep you do yeah, in yeah, with what yeah, the house yeah. is and, and look did did that get frustrating at any point over the years I suppose it, it just it costs more money in the old house to do anything it costs uh, more money to heat it if you like you know but as the business grew the older part of the house became a smaller amount so it was you know if you average it out our heating bill wasn't too bad then but initially when we started yeah. off, the heating bill was so high, <laughs> you could hardly afford to run the business, you, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, not without his yes. challenges. But you got over that and you renovated the house. At what point did you get involved in the business? Paul? I was always here. I was about 20 years old when we bought the house. So I was, uh, I suppose, one of the family. I was washing up, uh, helping the kitchen, chefing. So a kind of natural progression, I kind of became a chef then. I worked at, as a chef for about 14 years and then I kind of went out and started managing the hotel. Hmm. Now, be, being a chef, look, chefs are very exacting. You have to get everything right. You're, you're not happy unless the plate's going out or good. Uh, in those early years, was it difficult if you weren't the, the man in charge of the food going out? It, do you know, I, I found the most difficult part actually moving out of the kitchen and then having watching somebody else doing it. <laughs> if you're actually in there, you can actually act on what, you're, what you see is wrong, you know? So... And when you're dealing with that, again, how hands-on are you in terms of menus? Because you have the menu in the restaurant and then you have the wedding menu. Yeah. I mean, are you still fundamentally involved in all of that? Yes, I would be. I'd be looking at the menus before the chefs put them on. Uh, we're trying to get, I mean, any menu's got to be balanced. Sometimes if you left, uh, you know, the chef can do fantastic stuff, right? But if the guy down the road won't eat it, what good is it? <laughs> so you have to have a kind of nice balanced menu for, a menu for everyone, I suppose, you know? And, and look, the one thing that you pride yourselves on is that menu is very grounded. So what's the rationale behind it? What's the thing you're proudest of on that menu? Um, look, I suppose we just, basically, we just try and do the best we can every day. Try and produce good food. Um, produce you want to get it to the table in good order, you know, keep our customers happy. They come back and that's the, the whole nature of the game, you know. And in terms of that banqueting hall, I mean, how busy is that now with weddings? Because you, you, there was a time when people would have planned smaller weddings. They didn't want the big do. They only wanted friends and family. Are we fully back on the big wedding circuit now? We kind of are. I mean, the country weddings were always kind of large. You know, the city weddings could be a bit smaller, but the average at the moment is about 140, 150, I'd say, that we're doing. So we are kind of back in the big wedding scene. Is it very hard to keep 150 people happy when they're in, in Springford Hall? Lovely surroundings and all as they are. You're bound to find some who are... How can I phrase this diplomatically? Small but difficult. Do you know you can only spot the difficult people before they come in the door at this stage? And 99.9% of the people are fine. If you get a difficult customer, all you can do is just do your best. Try and please them. But don't take it to heart because you know it's probably going to be impossible, you know? <laughs> you can't keep everyone happy all no. the time. We're heading into what, what many hotels would consider the quiet season. The the summer is over. The tourists are gone. Like, what's it going to be like for you over the course of the next few months? There. Well, uh, September's quite good. We've still got a good few tourists around. Coach tours are still going. You know, uh, we're still kind of in wedding season, so we're doing you know a couple of weddings a week. Uh, conference season has kicked off as well, so there's a lot of meetings, corporate events. So, I find September, October, no, even November isn't bad now. My worst month really is January. The rest kind of takes over nicely, you know. January is just... Well, we've a complete, yeah, it's a hard time in January because none of us have any yeah. money and uh, we're hanging over from Christmas as well, so it's not good. You mentioned corporate business. I would have thought, given your location uh, out there beyond Mallow, that there wouldn't be much in terms of corporate business, but you're managing to bring a few through the door. Well, I you? suppose, you see, we're, we're dead centre of Munster. You have, like, the bedrooms, you've got meeting rooms, you have a car park, you know. It's actually a very convenient place to meet. There's no, okay, no, so no clamping, sense. no paying. They like that corporate. <laughs> no thing. need for clamping. Yeah. No need for clamping, no. more importantly. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, people no doubt will be booking their weddings. How far in advance are you booked out at this stage or do you still have a bit of availability? In people the... aren't booking uh, as much in advance as before. So we still have some availability in 19. 20 is just beginning to go now, do you know? 
going back to like let's say five, six, seven years ago, people did book two, three years in advance. Now I think the norm is, is about a year. You know, maybe ten months sometimes. Sometimes it's a year and a half, it varies, but you don't get any more well, than three year in unless you want New Year's Eve or something, you know. Well, you still be putting fellas under pressure now if you're talking about 2020, if they're listening in. But the good news is they can always head out to Springford Hall, at least uh, for a good bit of dinner if they can't get the full wedding there. Paul Walsh of Springford Hall, we wish you and all the team there the very best luck and continued success. And thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. My thanks, as always, to my guests. Don't forget, you can download all the series of Red Business from iTunes or get it on redfm.ie. Neve Hennessy was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com.